Welcome to the Browns Wire Podcast. This is your host, Josh Keatley. With me is always Adam Moore. And today we have a special guest. We have a fellow and Tim Torch. How you doing, Tim? I'm great. Thank you very much. I'm I'm excited to uh the I I've never done a Brown specific podcast until last week when I was invited on to the Cleveland Surge podcast uh, with Grant and I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name because I know I'll butcher it but uh, I had that opportunity and then you invited me on for this week so it's really humbling to finally have the opportunity to talk a little bit more Browns because they're they're really a passion of mine. Oh dude I love I love having other Browns wires guys on here we had Mac on uh, like about a month ago it's always a good time because you know we we talked you know, probably two or three times a day. So it's always a kind of good to record with each other. And hopefully we'll get Adam in there. Um, Adam, Jeff, we have Jeff Risen on the show next week. So Adam will actually get to talk to him for the first time. But Adam, how you doing? I'm doing good, buddy. How about yourself? You stay, you guys, is everybody safe and healthy? You guys hunkered down and, and, uh, you know, staying, staying away from the coronavirus. I've been hunkered down watching the Tiger King, bro. <laughs> I, I've been hunkered down. I, I've been very lucky. My work has given me the ability to telework, uh, so remote work. So I do have the ability to work from home. My wife's a teacher, so she is not in the school. But it's crazy because they actually expect her to still put lesson plans together for these kids, digital lessons for them to go through each day. And then we also have a uh, almost eleven-month-old daughter. So. So it oh, is pretty. Yeah. It is pretty crazy at the torch household right now. Oh yeah, I forgot you had the. I have, forgot you had the little baby there. Uh, it's of his own. Hey, I've got. I've got three now, dude. Oh my god, I forgot you had three. I forgot you had three. <laughs> we just we just misplaced the third one. Yeah. Oh, that's so bad. That's we'll so bad. I talked part. to Adam. I talked to Adam seven times a day, and I forgot he had three children, dude. <laughs> uh, Brad Kitzler. I see him probably once a week, and I can't remember those kids' names. Ever. I can't ever remember his kid's name. I hope he doesn't listen to this because I can't remember his names. But all right, let's go ahead and get started. Oh, and before we start, please remember to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. We're available on everything. Uh, so please don't be shy. Feel free to do that. But let's dive in. We had a ton of listener questions this week, which I, I really love. And Adam was nice enough to put it in a nice little Word document and copy and paste it to me because I'm lazy. Uh, but the first question we had was in, was, was in relation to the free agency. Uh, you also informed me, Adam, that the Cleveland Browns have the third highest cap space available in the NFL currently. Is that right? Uh, that's oh. correct. According, according to Field Yates, uh, and that was probably a couple of days ago, that was before the most recent – addition of adrian claiborne so that's obviously going to have changed a little bit but yeah as of a couple of days ago there was about 43 million dollars sitting in cap cap room and tim tim were you going to say something there no i'll i'll just uh add a little bit on to it um looking at spot track right now cleveland browns are sitting right now at number one in the nfl for for cap space at 43.5 million the next closest is the houston texans which is an absolute dumpster fire right now with 35 35.8. 35.8. Wow. That's, that's that much caps. Randall Cobb to such a huge contract. Uh, but I guess that's neither here nor there. Uh, I the, guess the elite David Johnson. Yeah, oh yeah, that's true. Hey, you know what? Though? I'm not going to count that. This is a conversation for another time, but I'm not going to count that as a loss just yet. We've seen what David Johnson can do. We know David Johnson isn't all that old. Maybe they see something that we don't. Maybe they're looking at the health reports and they see something that we don't understand. Randall Cobb, I feel like we know that he's, I mean, he's over 30 years old. Well, actually, no, he's not 30 yet, but we've seen we've seen the wear and tear to his body up close and personal, personal 
for close to a decade now. So I mean, the, the, the I I I don't disagree. I I do think that David Johnson does. And again, this is definitely a bigger picture topic. The the one thing I would slam Houston for is they've given away two first round picks for Laramie Tunsil, and they still yeah. haven't signed him to a long term extension. So that. So they could still tag him, but ultimately you're you're going to be in a really bad place really quick <laughs> if you don't get a deal done. I think that is the shocking part that they've gotten rid of, gotten rid of DeAndre Hopkins and Jadavian Clowney within the same calendar year and have shown gotten zero first round picks in return, yeah. which is mind blowing to me. But moving on to the Browns, with all that money, uh, we had a question from I think it was Jake Overby. Uh, any other free agent signs you would like to see? Uh, to me, you know what's funny? I looked at a list of all the available free agents, and I didn't see any like big names I'd like. I know there's a lot of rumors about Jadavian Clowney, Everson Griffin, but a name I'd kind of like to see return to Cleveland with this new regime that I think could come back relatively cheap is Demarius Randall. Now, I know that he was basically inactive the last five games. Last year was a little bit of a dumpster fire for him, but I would say 2018, he ended as a top 15 free safety. I really don't think that you're going to find a whole lot of argument towards that. Um, you know, and he would really be the only true free safety on the roster uh, with even with Andrew Sandejo and Carl Joseph, those guys, you know, more, more, more or less play strong safety and uh, Sheldrick Redwine, Redwine plays strong safety as well. Now I understand in the, the new defense, the Browns are going to be running. The, there's not necessarily going to be a free safety and a strong safety, but I, I'm just saying he plays a slightly different role and I, I'd be interested to see him come back. What do you think, Adam? No, I mean, I, certainly that's a need. That That's a position that you're going to have to address, whether it's in free agency or through the draft this year. That's, uh, I, you know, I'm not, I'm not terribly opposed to it. I know, I, I think for sure they'll address that position in the draft here in, in, a, in a month, in four weeks. But, um, yeah, I don't have a strong opinion. I, I'm not in love with the idea, but I, I wouldn't oppose it if that's what happened. Do you have anybody in mind that you think that the Browns should add or you saw that on that list? At, um, but I, mean, I just meant in general. Yeah, in general, I think, you know, offensive line, I know, you know, I don't know. Um, obviously, he's not a uh, um, not a free agent, but Trent Williams, I know he's wanting out of Washington. If there's a way to make that deal happen without giving up a first-round pick, I think it's it's in Cleveland's best interest to do so. Uh, you get a good, solid three, four years out of that guy. It, what it, And what it does to me is it opens up some flexibility for you in the draft at 10. To where if there is a run on offensive tackles before you get that pick at ten, you do now you have some flexibility. Uh, you can draft a defensive player at ten and not have to worry about trading back and trying to get one of those other guys. Yeah, and I I would agree with that. I think if you could get that deal done for a great bargain uh, and be able to better utilize that number ten spot, perhaps trade down it. Like you said, if there is a run on quarterbacks, you know you have some of those extra offensive tackles there at the top. Maybe you can trade back to fifteen. 16, 17, and still get a guy like Austin Jackson, Isaiah Wilson, you know, one of those second tier off the top. I would agree with that. Tim, what do you think? Oh, uh, I I would love to, I'll I'll start high level and kind of work my way back. Jason Peters, uh, I feel that there's a connection there with Andrew Barry. So uh, just because he came from Philly, so maybe there's some type of relationship you can work off of. Uh, I would love to see them bring in a coverage linebacker, someone a little bit more coverage focused. That'd be more Nigel Bradham for me. I, I think you'd fit in well with the group that they have. So they brought in BJ Goodson, have Mac Will uh Mac Wilson already there, Sierra Takitaki. I think Bradham would be a really good person to add in because he's such a solid coverage linebacker. Uh Clowney, I I, I don't have a problem with it. If you're willing to work things out with 
uh, and move on from Vernon or try to trade him for a pick. The reason I think he really does make sense is because I, I think there's going to be a lot of shifting on the defensive line when you move past uh, 2020, so 2021 on. Garrett's going to be there, but it, it looks like there's an out for Sheldon Richardson this team could take advantage of. Um, Andrew Billings should likely come back. Um, so so there should be a little bit of upheaval, Larry Ogunjobi. I don't really think he's going to be a guy that's going to be back for this team long term. So that that's just one more spot. I could I could really see the Browns maybe maybe making one more impactful type of signing. Um, other than that, I mean it, it it's usually the the normal suspects. I I, I don't want to get too too crazy and too deep or anything like that. Uh, Everson Griffin, I think, is a uh, could be a great signing. Someone, I, it, it's not that he worked with Joe Woods, but I do think what they're looking for is kind of those value veterans who have been there before. So uh, Griffin is someone I definitely think could be impactful. Yeah, I was. Ah. Um, I, I thought Everson Griffin and, and Jadavion Clowney were both options for the Browns until they signed Adrian Claiborne just recently. Um, I, I don't know. They, they've got six or seven guys now on that defensive line that are going to be able to rotate in and, and give meaningful snaps this year. And I think I think you know, we we mentioned they've got forty three million dollars in cash space, but I think they I think they what they need to do is not go wild with this because right. they're going to have some big names that they're going to have to extend. They're on rookie deals right now. Um, my, you mentioned Miles Garrett, Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb. Um, those are three guys that you're gonna you're probably going to want to extend in the next three four years that where you're going to have to maintain some flexibility in your cap space to do so. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought. I'm glad you brought up the the cap space because if you, I I not only like to look at this year, but kind of glancing a year ahead, the the Browns are looking really good going into 2021 cap space because right now they're projected to have over a, a hundred million that that's available to them, and that's just uh, that that's amazing, especially when you have that rollover. You're looking to probably. You're probably looking to get Miles Garrett done this year, so it's good you have that big chunk of change. Uh, next year, you'll be looking towards Baker and Denzel. Uh, unfortunately, probably not Nick Chubb, kind of how how the running back position is. But just having kind of that rollover cap, it's really going to be a big win for them if they can continue kind of tr- keep trimming the fat and keep, uh, keep these uh, high-priced veterans off the roster. I would agree with what you guys are saying. You know, I think that they are going to do a better job of managing the cap. Um, you know, that that's one of the things we were kind of getting in, in, in trouble with under Dorsey. You know, Dorsey was notorious for getting into traps, bad cap situations when he was in Kansas City, a la Derek Johnson, uh, Eric Berry, and uh, Jamal Charles. So, I mean, I think that this front office is obviously going to be much better than that. Obviously, they're signing a lot of guys to short-term deals. I think that's another big reason for it. I think we all agree Miles Garrett. It's going to be a, a high priority uh, signing. I think uh, you know. I think we have a little bit of a disagreement with Ogan Joby. I do like Ogan Joby. I think Ogan Joby was expected to do too much last year. Um, I think that people expected him to be a star, which I thought was unfair. But I could definitely see what you're saying, uh, especially with the recent additions. And you, you know, you you know they're going to draft the defensive tackle uh, in this draft too. So I could see him rendered to the bench sooner rather than later. I could definitely see that being a possibility. Uh, sounds like you and Adam also disagreed on the Chubb thing. You know, the, the, the running back, the value of the running back has been going down. We, I mean, everybody's aware of that. Uh, that is a shame. But, I, you know, Chubb will, be, Chubb will be a weird situation because if they can utilize him and Hunt to where they're both not taking, you know, a full workload, 
with Chubb's age, his attitude, uh, you know, the way that he people, I mean, he just he's got a, a great attitude. People like him. He's kind of a fan favorite. I, I could see him being here for the kind of like a Darren Sproles, where maybe he's, you know, now if right now he's the dude, then he's relegated to a backup role. And then he's kind of here for his whole career. But I mean, I guess we'll see. Like like you said, Tim, the running back position is it's that's kind of the nature of the beast is, you know, not signing these guys or not extending these guys and just kind of, you know, using them up and throwing them away. But uh did you guys have anything else to add about the free agency before moving no, on I mean, to the what, next questions? I, I saw your article about uh, Adrian Claiborne. What I mean, did you have it what are your thoughts on him? Uh, I think Adrian. I thought it was a great signing. Uh, you know, uh, he gets everybody sees that first round draft pick label, and they think he's a bust because he's got he has, has no Pro Bowls now, has no All Pro seasons to his name. But he had a couple good years in Atlanta when he was in Tampa Bay the first time. Uh, he was bumped and bruised. He had two years where he was on the IR for basically not seventy five percent of the season. Uh, then he went to Atlanta. It was more of a reserve role, but that's not really the fact that he didn't start every game at, during his years in Atlanta is an indication of how bad he was. That's just kind of how – that's how deep they were at the time and kind of how they ran their defense. Um, and But he was still very good. I mean, he had that one game against the Cowboys. I know that sticks out in everybody's mind when uh, he was – man, I can't remember the offensive tackle. He was dominating. It wasn't Tyron Smith. It was the game Tyron Smith was out. But he had six sacks. Uh, he's not really that kind of guy. He never had a great, big, explosive first step. He's kind of like AJS Epinesa this year, which is interesting because they're both from Iowa. But he never had a huge – first step he was very active with his hands had a great his strength um and with age he's lost what little first step he has but but again still very active hands he's still a great anchor he does a lot of things technically right so i think it's a great addition he's not going to be starting um he's definitely has some juice left in the tank uh tim what do you think no i i think it's great um Probably the biggest thing that he adds is that veteran leadership. And I think that's something that, that we've talked about the Browns for a couple of years now, where where are they getting that direction, that leadership, that that guy who can uh, talk from experience within the locker room and his experience uh, going to the Super Bowl with the Falcons, uh, being part of a Super Bowl run with the New England Patriots. There's there's a lot of championship experience that comes into the room when you bring on an Adrian Claiborne. So that's something just on the on the kind of locker room sideline part of things that I do think he adds on the field. Uh, I think he does have um, he does still have some pass rush ability. He played uh, played plenty of snaps last year. I think uh, you did mention the Dallas game where he had six sacks. It was not against Tyron Smith. Uh, but that that does show. The, I, I think then if you label and I always think it's funny to see guys like Laquan Treadwell or even Tavon Austin just still work around the league because they get that they have that first round pick label. He's another one that just kind of sticks, but he is a pro's pro. I like the ad a lot. Yeah, I, I think the first round label. I think people see that and they go, "Oh, that guy's a bust because he didn't do anything." It's like, well, no, he's still a good pro. If I mean, you know what I mean, like right. he was still probably. There's a lot of look, like Daquan. Ba we talked about Daquan, ba Daquan Bowers in the chat earlier today. I mean, Daquan Bowers was voted ranked a lot high, higher than uh, Claiborne coming out of that draft by a lot of people. I think he went in the second round also to the Tampa Bay, and that dude did nothing. He was in the NFL for two years and then went up to the CFL and was a very average Canadian football player. So it's still, you know, Adrian Claiborne's still been in the league for 10 years. He's still been a starter. Like you said, he's won a Super Bowl and all that. But, I mean, I, I think that's where we're at. 
Yeah, I mean, I think he's a he's a depth piece, and I think he's somebody's going to come in on passing in passing situations, going to be able to rush the passer. Uh, you know, looking at just his stats from last year, um, when you look at the stat of uh, pass rush win rate, he was actually in the top five in the league for all pass rushers that that, that had rushed the passer over two hundred times. Uh, you know, so the the top five in that that in that statistical category was one JJ Watt, two Miles Garrett, three Joey Bosa, four Zadarius Smith, and then and then five Adrian Claiborne. Uh, he was winning uh, he, he, winning his pass rushes on twenty one point one percent of percent of the time. So I think that's something that you can that that's a big deal, especially you know you saw what happened last year when Miles Garrett got suspended. You had a real hard time generating pass rush without him on the field. So at the very least, he provides you some depth and he's able to, to, to rush the pass or at least get some pressure on the quarterback. Yeah, and I want to add one more thing before we move on. You know, when I say that he's lost his first step, he's never had an explosive first step. There's two ways you can be a good defensive end in the NFL. One, you have, you're explosive, you have a great bend, you're just an amazing athlete, Lolly Chase Young. Or two, you have a plan. You have a repertoire of moves that you can whip out, you know, whether it be spin, swim, uh, you know, uh, whatever it may be, and you have a plan against that tackle. And I think Claiborne has a plan. Uh, we're going to go in later about some some deep sleepers that we think for the NFL draft for the Browns. And there's a guy that I see a lot like that. Obviously, he's much smaller, uh, but it, it's a guy that has – he may not be check all the boxes physically, but he has a plan. He's very nuanced. He has a lot of great instincts. But moving on to the next user question, we had a lot of questions about the COVID-19 stuff, Adam. Did you notice that? Yeah. Hey, that's, that's what everybody's talking that's about. A, and it's the most depressing thing in the world. But I guess we'll just hit it one by one. We had the next question also by Jake. Uh, do you think they will cancel the season? I kind of laughed at this question. Adam, I'll let you answer first. Yeah, I mean, the NFL seems hell-bent right now on playing this season, and they haven't given any indication that they will do anything other than play this season. Uh, they talked. They recently came out and said that you know they plan on releasing the schedule for this upcoming season. On May 9th, um, I saw I saw a quote from NFL executive Jeff Pash said that you know they're 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 planning it's their expectation uh, they are fully directed at playing a full season starting on schedule and having a full regular season and full set of uh, the expanded playoffs this year. But you know I don't know, man. I, I I'm I'm starting to st- stay updated with everything that's going on. Um, you know I I think. I think we're going to get out of this thing before the season starts. So they're going to be able to play it. Uh, but Mark, Mike Florio also from Pro Football Talks, you know, stated that right now that the NFL, you know, everything's on the table uh, right now with the NFL, even in, including canceling the 2020 season. Personally, I don't think that happens, but I think that's something that you know deserves or warrants some discussion. Tim, what do you think? I I agree. I I think I the place that I work what we choose to say to people is that things are being postponed because when you say the words cancel, it has a really negative connotation to it. And this really has the, the positive spin feel to me where this is going to happen. Stay optimistic. I'm, I'm personally surprised at this point that we haven't seen any movement with the NFL draft because just logistically and in my, the, the way my mind is working when NFL teams are putting together a draft strategy when they're calling other teams, when they're just prepping for the draft. It, it's this big conglomerate of of scouts, whatever it is within the building, and you're getting together and really putting together a draft plan or making these calls, trying to get a deal done. Doing this remotely and 
uh, and especially in Ohio, there's a limit on the number of people that you that you're actually supposed to have together at any given point in time. It, it really feels like it's going to put a hamper on that. And I actually read uh, a tweet by Adam Schefter where he was talking about a seven day draft where literally the there's one round of the draft that happens each day. So it gives teams the opportunity to regroup a little bit. I don't know if that's necessarily going to happen, but I I just feel like we're in such a different place right now with that specifically. I I don't know how it's going to happen that quickly, but to the season, I'm I I do hope the world does get put back in its place and things things kind of maybe not carry on exactly the way they were, but but do have a way to move forward. But I really don't know what that looks like because think about a movie theater. When's the next time you're going to be comfortable just going to the movies and sit there and be like, man, I really don't want to back into a movie theater next to this person quite the same way. Are you going to be comfortable going to an NFL game and just packing into the dog pound quite like you were before? It It's just a very different. It's going to be a different world. People are kind of hunkering down and getting through it right now. And I'm already starting to think a little bit. What does that next phase look like? And I, I can't imagine it looks the same as it does now. Yeah, the whole situation is weird. I do, I do want to comment. I, I don't really have an appropriate answer for Jake. I don't think they're going to cancel the season. I think that this, there's too much money involved. It's, but it is too far. In, 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 it's too far right. away for me to really know or have an idea. As far as, yeah, but as far as the seven day draft goes, I would my pant when I heard about that news, my pants got tight. I was like, ooh, that's dope. I can. Study a little bit more, get a couple extra scouting reports in. That's great. And then I was talking to Bill Carroll yesterday, and he was like, dude, you know how many more trades that will, there will be if you send those GMs home where they can think and contemplate and talk to each other? So I'm against it now. I, I, I'm, I'm against it. I don't, that's the last thing I, I want is for this draft to be like all the, you know that much more time consuming with these trades and people moving around. I kind of like I kind of like it to be concise for the GMs to think on their feet. Uh, you know, for for everything to happen at a somewhat rapid motion. Um, so I, I am I, I am against that. That's probably the one thing I am passionate about. Which is funny because if you'd asked me at the exact same time yesterday, I would have said I was all for it. But uh, <laughs> I, I like I like that idea personally but i yeah i don't know i mean i i don't know logistically Dude, trades, happen, but i i like that idea of spreading it out just because they're you know what the hell else am i gonna do you know without sports <laughs> to watch so yeah that'd, that'd be cool to me but you know like let's let's look at worst case scenario adam wilkins asked us like what are we going to do if they do cancel the season I, i'll tell you exactly what i'll do i'm getting on the first plane to san francisco i'm driving out to the golden gate bridge and i'm gonna jump right off that motherfucker adam that is not funny, okay? <laughs> God, it's so insensitive of you. No, I'm, j- I'm joking. But, uh, yeah, no, I I tell you what I will do. I had this question. Someone asked me this question yesterday, okay? And I, that's the same exact – I was on a podcast with four other dudes, okay? That reaction you gave was the same response that they gave. But here's how I'm going to answer it, okay? I'm going to take this time to get a leg up, my friend. Some eventually football is going to start over, whether it's the NFL, whether it's the XFL, whether it's the CFL, these guys got to get paid and football will start over. So I'm going to use whatever downtime I have to try to evaluate what I can do when the spreads come out. We talked about last week, the Oregon football loses their spring game. Okay. So 
the, we talked about the Ohio specifically the Ohio State Oregon game. Ohio State is a two and a half point favorite already. Well, now Oregon loses Justin Herbert and they lose spring practices. So their new quarterback, who's a, now a transfer, by the way, it's a transfer, Anthony Brown from Boston College, who hasn't taken a snap yet and is not going to be able to take a snap yet. Maybe even if the, the season's delayed, we're talking about shortened practices. That's how I'm going to take advantage of it. I'm going to empty my bank account on all of that. Okay. I'm going to take my time and study the XFL, study the spreads. I'm going to pad my bank account. You can only control what you can control, and I can control my wallet homie that's what i'm telling you right now <laughs> that's hey, that's real stoic of you bro i'm proud oh of yeah oh yeah tim what do you think what, do you, what are you gonna do if there's no football uh if there's no football uh in 2020 oh I will, I'll, I'll just be sad because honestly i i don't really pay attention to any other sports football is is what i pay attention to it's uh it would be really disappointing for me i as i mentioned before i have a daughter so I'm sure she will keep me busy. Uh, then there's plenty of other things just in day-to-day life. But uh, I will say football is my vice. Football is the way that I uh, just kind of step back from the rigors of, of of the day-to-day grind. And I would have a really hard hard time just just putting myself in that mind mind space. Uh, and uh, I, I, hey, I, I, I get that. I'm already kind of stressing out about the Canadian Football League being suspended, uh, you know, being pushed back. I'm kind of upset about that. Which, by the way, I don't, I, I don't want to just bring it up very briefly. We had Nathan Rourke on the show a couple weeks ago. Uh, the CFL.com, um, Ferguson is the lead writer there for their, their draft. I came out his first day. He came off the mock draft. And Nathan Rourke wasn't on it, dude. Wasn't on the first two rounds. Adam, you believe that? I mean, I, I don't, but maybe that's because they maybe they maybe they think he's got a real shot in the NFL. That's exactly what it is. I mean, Chase Claypool wasn't on either. But anyways, moving on to the next uh, COVID nineteen question: If there is a significant chance the season gets canceled, postponed, or cut down, would that t- change a team's draft script? Um, how they approach the draft? So I, I guess my my initial reaction is it shouldn't. Um, you know, when you're talking about NFL, it's very easy for us to just, I mean, if you're like me, you're looking at tape, you're writing down the names, you're moving on. You know, I know what three of these people's voices sound like. I've met maybe 10, 15, 20, 20 of these dudes. Um, I, I think when you're an NFL GM and you go to draft a guy, you're taking the whole package. You're, you're get, taking in a guy's personality. You're making sure that he's a good fit. So it shouldn't change how the, the, the way the season is shouldn't change your value of that person uh, because it's a job. It's a job interview. You know what I mean? You're not just putting pegs in a hole, uh, but that's kind of how I view it. But maybe I'm wrong. I think I could be swayed on this. Uh, Tim, what do you think? So there's two ways to look at it. It's are, are we losing time in like mini camp or are we losing time just during the season as a whole? And I, I personally do think it, it changes team strategy just a little bit in terms of how fast you think someone can make the transition to, to pick up. So maybe that mental aspect of the game more than the physical. I feel like when you take a prospect who who is a little bit more of the ball of clay and you say, boy, this guy is an athletic specimen. I can mold him into something versus this person is a good technician. Maybe they don't have the physical traits to dominate, but they have it upstairs and they're a little bit more of a technician. I feel like that may be the route people tend to go or teams tend to go a little bit more just because they, they feel a little bit more comfortable with this guy's going to pick up the offense quickly. They can transition in what we're doing quickly and maybe they're not the best athlete, but I, 
I they I know they have the mental capacity to really pick things up. So that that's really the place I feel that could be the biggest shift for a team. Just just safety in draft versus the upside. So let me let me ask that question with another question that Bill asked. Um, he he actually talked about that. He said, if would, would drafting a, a guy who's a project uh, be a better option rather than an immediate impact guy if you know you're not going to play the season? Now I guess that kind of bring that's kind of what you're talking about, right? Like if the season right. if training camp shortened, that's less time with the playbook. Yes. Are you going to get someone that's more ready? Here's my question, Adam. I want you to answer this too. Uh, so let's take. I'm going to use an example. Ben Barch and Ezra Cleveland. Okay, Ezra Cleveland's from Boise State. Ben Barch is from St. John's and Minnesota Division II school. Okay, there's obviously a big, huge, giant difference in the level of competition those players face. Ben Barch, I think you'd be pretty, it'd be pretty crazy to expect that, that guy to step in and be able to handle NFL talent immediately. Of course, I say that, but Ali Marpet out of uh, what was a Hobart College D3 school, I got drafted by Tampa Bay, I started immediately. But regardless, you don't really expect that out of a guy coming from a Division II school. Ezra Cleveland coming out of Boise State, that's a little, that's a giant, huge step, right? So you would expect him to kind of step in. To me, that doesn't really change my viewpoints. I mean, you know, if he's if he's more well rounded like Ezra Cleveland, uh, I think that that means you get more. You're getting he's getting more of a chance to find his groove within the offense. Um, if he's more raw with Ben Barch, you know, him missing the season, he'll get a chance to, you know, groom himself. It doesn't really. I guess it doesn't really change my method to my madness. But uh, I guess Tim, since you kind of answered this question already, is there any thoughts you had to add on that? Now that I've named a specific example. No, I, I, I really feel like what I said summed it up. It's just, I, I'm not going to be, it, if the season's canceled, yes, give me the project, give me the high upside guy, because I know I have a really good coaching staff. I have Bill Callahan in the room that is going to take a an offensive lineman that's a, that's a very good athletic profile, like, uh, like Josh Jones in the first round. If there's a trade down scenario and you're taking Josh Jones, I feel a little bit better about that because he's kind of the athletic guy that needs to needs to be taught uh, more than anything else. He has the physical upside. Whereas, like I mentioned before, if it's just mini camp that's gone, I I'm a little bit I want the pro just pro ready guy a little bit more. That makes sense, Adam. What do you think? So here's my opinion: if you have the information, if you know that the season is going to be canceled. Absolutely. It changes what you do in, in yeah, three weeks for sure. Absolutely. It, you know, at this point, at that point, younger guys are more valuable. These projects, these prospects, these, these riskier guys, these higher upside guys are more valuable than these sure bet type of people. Um, but it, right now, all indications are pointing, even if we don't play this season, all indications right now are pointing to that we will or that every attempt will be made to have to play this season. So I think you have to uh, approach the draft like you are going to play this season. Uh, so I don't think you're going to see any different strategies than you typically would. But if if you knew that information, my opinion is, is, is that, yes, you do take a different approach. And, and Bill, he also asked about, you know, in that situation, would would Tua Tagovailoa be more valuable than Joe Burrow? And that's a good, that's a great argument because now you have an additional year to to learn more about Tua's Tua's injury, his health. I, there's a lot of questions on on Tua's medicals right now, whether or not he's going to be the same guy. If you have a year to figure that out, uh, for sure, that evens the playing field between those two guys. Tua is younger than Joe Burrow. For sure. Um, for sure, what you think that that evens the playing field. For- it closes the gap between those two because two is younger 
and because what what the to, in my opinion the gap between Burrow and Tua right now is largely because you have it, there's so much uncertainty with Tua Tagovailoa's injury. Well, uh, don't you think that is also because of his injury resume, his injury list? I mean, we've, we're talking four or five different injuries. Yeah, so that, this, this that's not going to go away after a year. No, that's this still, last one is really exist. severe. This is a really severe injury that there's a lot of unknowns, whether or not he'll regain the athleticism that he once had, if he'll be able to be the same player that he was at Alabama. Uh, those are questions that we don't know, and I think that's going to hurt his draft stock here in four weeks. Well, I think that that's two different arguments, though, right? Because you're say, I, all your everything you're saying about Tua is correct, but you're but you're also saying in that same hand that Tua is the. Do you do you think Tua fully healthy is better than Burrow? I I say, I think it's close. I me personally, I still take Burrow. Okay, because uh, that that's I my. It, I think it's closer. Okay, I guess that that was my that was my confusion because I read this question and I didn't laugh, but I immediately thought, no, Burrow has elite accuracy, he has elite anticipation, he's got the swag to be a, a franchise quarterback. Not a question in my mind. Even if you take a year off, Tua still has a long injury list, and he's still a little bit on the smaller side, which is going to make him susceptible to injuries. Yeah, so I'm just that doesn't really change my. I, I I'm a big Burrow guy. I I, I think Burrow's the dude. So that's not. I, it's just not. If the shoe was flipped and I didn't already like Burrow and Burrow wasn't my number one quarterback based purely on skill, then maybe you'd ha- I have I would feel different. But that's the thing. Even if you give me a clean bill of health to Tua, I'm still gonna go go Burrow. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And I think at, at the quarterback position, that makes more sense. Where the lifespan of quarterback is 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 naturally going to be longer than another position. Ideally, but if you're looking at like a four year running back prospect or a four-year wide receiver prospect. Well, can, can, I, can I cut you off three. for just a second? Yeah. You're talking to two Browns fans and, and Tim and I. So when you talk about quarterback lifespan, just <laughs> just, just you want to preface it with ideally because we live through Charlie Pride. We live through Tim Couch. We live through Deshaun Kaiser. Okay? <laughs> it's tough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, I, I, I get with your, what you're saying. If you value Tua's – Tua, Tua has there's a there's a lot to him. He's he's athletic. He's got great mechanics. Even if he is hurt for the rest of his life, those mechanics don't just go away, right? He's a very smooth <laughs> passer. He, you know, it, he throws with his left arm. So I I, I get it. I, I just I think that Burrow is just way better. And back back to the point too about differentiating your script based off of what the season is. Another reason why I guess I wouldn't change too much is because you never know when the season is going to happen. Right, if they cancel it, if they if they announce tomorrow the NFL season's canceled, who's to say that you go through the draft thinking that you're going to take all these projects, and then the day after the draft they go, you know what, everything's cleared up, let's do this thing, and then you just does that make sense? Like, and that's is that realistic? Probably not, but the the chance of the season getting canceled is unrealistic too. So, does that make sense? Oh, absolutely, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And, and Bill also asked a question about you know in in this hypothetical situation where we don't play a season in 2020. Does Chase Young now become the number one overall pick in that scenario? Well, let's t- Tim. Where are you at on the the Burrow Tua argument? Oh, people may not like this. <laughs> I'm I'm firmly on Tua, and really right right now, right now you have Tua higher than Burrow. Right. Yes. Yes. Okay. I I firmly do. I I understand that we may have just watched the best single season quarterback play uh, in, in NCAA history. I, I 100% am willing to, to admit that and, and say that freely, but I, I think 
yes, Tua did have the injury. But when I look at every, the whole scope of a player, um, Tua has plenty of arm strength. He does have mobility, clean mechanics. I, I, I always get a little bit iffy with a lefty lefty quarterback, but that that's just my personal preference and uh, just the way I feel about it. And when I look at Joe Burrow, he had phenomenal weapons. Uh, some of the best wide receivers in the entire country. He had an incredibly good uh, offensive coordinator in uh, Joe Brady that is now with the Panthers. There, There's just something that I get a little bit nervous about with the one-year wonder where I, I don't... He... Joe Burrow couldn't beat out Dwayne Haskins at Ohio State. And I understand the development happens for, throughout the course of a person's lifespan throughout college. And then there's, again, professional development. But just just think, think about that part of it for a second. Joe Burrow, when he was with Ohio State, could not beat out Dwayne Haskins. That, I, I feel like that's a sentence that not many people just grab hold to. And then when he went to LSU, there was definitely time to acclimate, time to adjust. And still, it took world-class weapons and an off, a brilliant offensive coordinator to, to really seal the deal for him. So I, I do have real questions. And Tua, it's, it's over the course of a career. I feel like there's been development. There's been progression. Even from his freshman season at Alabama when he came in, and he replaced Hertz in the national championship game and won. I I, I feel like that <laughs> there's just so many check yeses that I want to give him where I'm not willing to just say he's injured, so I'm going to move him below someone else. I, I get I, that. I, I think um you know, I, I think the, the biggest the biggest argument against Burrow is the one year wonder thing. And I can totally see that argument. And I totally get what you're saying with Burrow back at Ohio State not being able to beat out Dwayne Haskins. Well, but, you why, know, why, are, we, why are we acting like that's a negative, though? Haskins and that's what, was a I, I, I still think is, Haskins is good. He's got a big arm. But yep. I'm sorry, Adam, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, I was going to say that, that was another point. You know, I think Has, we, we forget Haskins was a first round pick last year, and he, and he, he played a good. Uh, the, his last six, seven games, he was a solid starting quarterback for the Redskins. I, I don't want to bash Haskins, and I don't, I don't discredit Burrow for not being able to beat out Haskins. And you know, us being I say graduates and being closer to the program, that that was much closer than we even anticipated. That that position, that starting uh, job, that that well, was one in the spring before Joe Burrow ended up transferring out. So once Joe Burrow lost that job, and it was really, really close with Dwayne Haskins, that's when he decided to go into transfer porter portal and, and move on to LSU and I'm not trying to downplay Tua because I'm a big Tua fan when he's healthy um it, I, I I I can dismiss all his other injuries if you will but this hip injury is a really serious injury and that's not something that I think we we know enough about right now to make you know just like any kind of guesses or you know about how that's going to impact him moving forward but one last point about weapons I, I think you know we're, we're talking about two Alabama wide receivers that are probably going to get drafted in the top 15 to 20 picks with Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. I, I think Tua had arguably more talent around him than Joe Burrow did. Well, Devontae, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waller would be first-round draft picks next year. Uh, 
from what everybody's assuming. But that that's I'm not going to. You're allowed. Everybody's allowed to have two higher than Joe Burrow. I don't think it's like damning that you have to have one over the other. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna put, put my put my fist through the table over the Burrow to argument. I completely get that to it. And especially if you're trying to run a more of a, an offense where your quarterback needs to be more athletic, uh, you know, kind of in the, the mold of the Cardinals, I could totally see why you want to over Burrow. Um, I, I, I'm just thinking that the, I could totally see why, why someone would want to over Burrow. I don't have an issue with it. Okay. But I don't think we should just discredit, Burrow because he lost out to Haskins, A, because I do like Haskins. Maybe I'm being biased, but I had him as a first-round grade, had him as my number one quarterback there this year. I think it could be all right. And like Adam said, Tua did have a ton of weapons, if not more so than what Burrow had at LSU. But again, you know, I could see why you'd want Tua, why, why you'd want Tua over Burrow, because he is he is more athletic. He's he's more of a pop, and his arm is bigger. That is that is honestly the big weakness with Joe Burrow is that his arm. We don't really know how strong it is because when he does throw it deep, it kind of flutters there, it kind of hangs there. His receivers are wide open. He doesn't really have to thread the needle. I mean, Tua, we've seen him whip it forty yards, fifty yards, no problem. So we do know that he has that that arm strength that Joe Burrow doesn't. But I guess we should move on to the next question. Uh, <laughs> did you did you have something to add there, Tim? I'm sorry, I don't want to I don't want to cut you off. No, I I love the elaboration we're going into. It's it's refreshing. I know. Lot, I know. A lot of people feel podcasts should only be like thirty minutes, and I I disagree with that take. Generally, I feel like having a full conversation instead of cutting yourself short is very very important. That's what Adam and I do here. We we call it foreplay. It's a nice little <laughs> it's ear foreplay. We give you we give you just a little bit. Before we before we give it to you all, but all right, moving on. Bill had another question about running backs. I thought this was interesting. He said, "Would running backs drop because they are a win now position?" I, I don't know if they can drop any further than they already are. That's right. kind of what my my initial thought process was. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like the, you're already seeing them barely be in the first round. Yeah, I think the concern about running backs in the NFL is is that after you know once they once they get into an NFL system and they're getting 15, 20 touches a game, they're getting beat up. It's like they're getting in a car accident every single week, and it, it really just it wears down on somebody. But if you're not playing the season, you're not getting that wear and tear. I honestly don't know how how it would affect. Uh, probably not that much, um, in my opinion. But I, I don't as I'm not that's not a strong belief or a strong opinion in any, any way. I want to I want to flip this question a little bit on its head because I, I think it's a good one and maybe just to, to add a little bit of extra context to it does it matter if you draft a if we I, I hate to put this out there because I feel like it's it's saying something really negative but I, I it's not really what I'm intending to do if you draft a running back but the 2020 season the 2020 season is canceled does it, does it hurt in your mind mind that you're losing a year of that rookie contract? Because that that's really the value of a running back is is on that rookie contract, and you would be losing essentially that value, which is probably where I would feel, be most concerned if I'm taking a guy high like the the Swift, the Taylor, the, those guys, mm-hmm. uh, Dobbins. If you're taking someone of that ilk relatively high. You, you're automatically losing one year of that contract right off the bat. Dude, that's that's real meta thinking there because I, yeah. I guess I, I wasn't even thinking about contract. I, I would assume if the can the I would assume if the season got canceled, something would have to be to work out. Right. 
I mean, I mean, think CBA, about losing all these one-year guys. The, yeah, the it's Browns a very it's a very strange situation. I, I, I if that if that's the right. case, I, I think that you're right. I think we're all kind of on the same. We're all kind of saying the same thing, though. Um, you know, as far as running backs go, I don't really know if the value of them can get any lower. They're barely squeaking into the first round as they are. You know, a big reason why you do sign them is because of that contract. Um, I, I mean, right? I mean, does anybody? I mean, what? I guess I, I don't know. I'm not, I guess I'm not super passionate about the question. Yeah, I mean, that, there's just so much unknown about how all that would work out in in the there situation is. of, um, you know, a cancel cancel cancellation. Sorry, of this season. You know, what happens to the contracts? Uh, what happens to those those free agent signings as far as these one year deals are concerned? And, and yeah, I just I just don't think we have enough information to really make a good argument or a good guess about you know what that should mean. And that, that kind of leads leads us into Bill's last question about whether or not Young would be a better pick in this situation over a quarterback over Burrow at the number one spot. And my question would be, what happens next year if you're the Bengals? You have the number one pick. You need a quarterback. If they say they, let's cancel 2020, what happens to the 21 draft? If the Bengals have the first pick, you absolutely take Chase Young and then draft Trevor Lawrence next year. But if they have shuffled that draft in 21. Then that's a, that's another question. That then that's I have crazy. a different opinion. See, I have I feel like I have a very good answer about this, but I'll let Tim answer first. Tim, what do you think? Yeah, oh, about the draft specifically. Well, about the 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 Chase Young Joe Burrow argument if the season oh. is canceled. Oh, I I have been a proponent, and I've gotten a ton of pushback on it uh, when I've said this on Twitter. I I think the Bengals should go the the route of of the Browns, like be a via miles Garrett and take I, I I guess now that they've that free agency's passed and they've done some of the moves that they've done they they can't really be undone because I feel like they're they're looking at this well let's spin let's let's show our, our franchise quarterback that we're gonna build around him but post all of the pre all of this spending I was willing to say Chase Young is the great pick because he is the guy that I feel like can be your miles Garrett that you can build a foundation on the defensive line where you really don't have questions. And then I would have tanked the hell out of the season and I would have done everything I could to guarantee myself uh, Trevor Lawrence in 2021 or Justin Fields. I I personally feel like those two are, are so close. People are giving Trevor Lawrence the crown where I feel like Justin Fields is just as good, if not maybe a little bit better. So, so I'm not, I again, not a discussion we're trying to get into, but you you do have two blue chip guys that you're likely going to have next year. Take Chase Chase Young now. He is the closest thing to a sure thing with Akuda that you can get in this draft. And then and then next year you get your franchise quarterback and you can move on. I I think I agree with a lot of what you get what you guys are saying. Uh, I and for the record, I would have probably if I'm the Bengals GM, I'm probably going with Chase Young as well. Try to build the team team inside out kind of like the Eagles did um when they you know they drafted what six first round offensive line and then they drafted the quarterback you know they really invested highly in their defensive line um and their safeties I, I probably would go about that that way as well I don't I think we both agreed Adam that Andy Dalton wasn't necessarily the problem it was the abundance of injuries on the offensive line a bunch of other factors um 
Yeah, I also agree with the fact that you talked about Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence being in the same realm. I, I'm fully with that, Tim. I, I don't think there's a huge gap there. I will also say, like, I would never fall in love with something that's coming out a year from now. You know, uh, if you guys remember, right, Keith Price coming out of Washington had a lot of hype. Um, they, pretty, very similar hype to this. And he ended up not getting drafted at all. Had a lot of issues with the CFL. wasn't very good there. Matt Barkley was a guy with a similar amount of hype going into his senior season. With that said, if you're the Bengals and you like Joe Burrow and you want to draft Joe Burrow and that was your plan to draft Joe Burrow, nothing about the season being canceled changes that. You still draft Joe Burrow because you know why? You can make buku bucks selling his jersey. Probably more so selling his jerseys before he goes out there and sucks. You know what I mean? Or plays a very average level because he's a rookie. You know what I mean? Like, you could probably sell ass ton jerseys while he's not playing. That's kind of what I'm, you know what I mean? Kind of like the, band, the the Browns Manziel factor. You know what I mean? Like, he I, he was in the top five jerseys for, what, the first six months of his career? And then he took a snap, and that was kind of the doom of him? You could do the same thing with Joe Burrow. You could put a lot, you can line a lot of pockets with that. But that was my thought about that question. Yep. Yeah, we're, I think we're talking. We're you know we're talking a lot of hypotheticals here, but let let's assume let's assume we're you know season's on. We're we're having the draft. What what are we what, what do we think about ten? What what do we like at ten? I can I just say, Adam? Are you trying to Adam's the, Adam's in charge of the clock, Tim? That's why, <laughs> and I think he's been trying to text me to tell me to hurry hurry this conversation forward, and I, my phone's been dead, no, so I'm not getting. The- <laughs> no, I, I'm a to- fan of long form conversations as well. But I thought it was just a perfect no, kind of no, transition. That's fine. That's cool. Let's let's go. Did you guys get the, so the, a recent mock draft came out and Jeff went over it on Browns Wire. So I thought we could kind of dive into that. Um, Chad Reuter on NFL.com. Did you guys get a chance to look at his mock draft? Yes. Yeah, I or, did. I hate. I hated it, and I, we can talk about. Oh my it god, you did. Yeah. You hated it, Tim. Not, did you hate not, it? No, I, I I always find it hard to completely hate a mock draft. Okay, it's not something I'm willing to say I hate. <laughs> so Adam, because you hate it, you're you're gonna start. <laughs> All right. So what I Let, hate... can we can I say one thing? Can we yes. let's go pick by pick? pick let's by go pick, pick by right. pick. Okay, you you say the first pick, then we'll move on to Tim, then we'll move on to me, and then you can do the set. Okay, can we All move right. like that? All right. First pick, Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. They select Joe Burrow. One hundred percent agree. No. Wait, issue. hold on. Is this the is this the Bengals wire podcast? Is that what? Okay, I thought we were going first round. <laughs> No, you said 10. You, you're the I one did. who said, yeah. let's discuss pick 10. Yeah, you said 10. Yeah, we're- <laughs> you, hurried, you, you hurried the conversation along so we could talk about the Bengals. You son of a bitch. Listen, listen. That's not what I hate. We said, you said, <laughs> I said 10. I said 10. You said, let's go over his mock draft. And I said, I hate his mock draft. Yeah. But no, yeah, if yeah. You want, hey, let's just talk about the, the, the Browns. I don't hate oh. his mock draft for the Browns. Oh, you don't? No, 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 no. Well, now I'm confused. Why? What did you hate? Now I want. Because now I need Tua, to know what you Tua hated. is not going to the Redskins. 100 percent not going to the Redskins. See, I didn't even look at that. I looked immediately at the Browns. If I didn't like yeah. the pick, I tried to see what was surrounded. I I, I but, don't know why we were looking at the Bengals. I think that <laughs> I think that Tua Tua going to number two. I think that's more symbolic of the fact. Well, I don't know because he he had trades in his mind. He did. He did. Right. He did have trades in his mock. So if he thought he was going to – yeah, I don't get the whole Tua to Washington thing. If people don't see that's a smokescreen – of course, you know what, though? Man, I don't know. Ron Rivera doesn't seem like he's a big Dwayne Haskins fan. I think why he would, does. And okay, he, he was with fine. Cam Newton. He was with Cam Newton forever. Why would they trade for Kyle Allen if they're going to draft Tua at two? 
It's not like well, they, they signed. Kyle Allen they sucks. traded for Kyle. Allen. I don't know why they why traded for they Kyle give Allen up a for pick for Kyle Allen. I have no idea, Adam. I, didn't I have no camp. idea. That's a good. That that's the better question. Why, if they want an athletic quarterback like Tua, why wouldn't they go get a bridge bridge starter like Cam? That's the better question. Exactly. That's what they're going to do. Because so Dwayne Haskins and Tua, you're making a good argument. You're making a good argument because they didn't they didn't go get Cam. They went and got Kyle Allen, who's more like Dwayne Haskins, little teeny tiny Dwayne Haskins. Than a Cam Newton. Yep. But moving moving on to the to the Browns pick. What what? Tell me. Break down ten. What did you think about it? Uh, offensive tackle Andrew Thomas out of Georgia. That's a fine pick. Um, I I think you know he's probably of the the three offensive tackles: Tristan Wirfs, Mackay Becton, um, Andre Thomas, and uh, Jared Jedrick Wills. I I think. Andrew Thomas is probably my fourth out of those three, so I'm I'm surprised he didn't go. He's your Jedrick fourth. Wills. Yeah, out of those three, um, I I would have probably went Jedrick Wills there at ten. Um, but the, if if Isaiah Simmons falls to ten, I think you have to have a long, hard look at Isaiah Simmons at ten. Okay, I got a lot to say about what you just said, but I'll let Tim go first. Okay. Wow. Um. <laughs> so, uh, I'll I'll start right off the bat with. I, I'm not opposed to the Andrew Thomas pick. So I, I I think a lot of people have warmed their mind and kind of warped their, their thinking around, we need to take offensive tackle at 10. I am going to introduce something that's a little bit contrary that uh, I, I don't think many people are thinking of. What if this Browns regime is thinking outside of the box and really more towards the future. I, I don't disagree with the Isaiah Simmons thing because I think he is a great player. And I, I do have a little bit of concern, just those guys who are category defense. And then you, your, your responsibility is to work and build with them. But what I'm trying to maybe get people comfortable with, what if they go wide receiver? Because moving Moving ahead to the 2021 season, there's a very strong possibility that you, uh, that we as a team are, the Browns are going to be moving on from one of Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. That, that kind of narrative and story, if you build that, then what is your wide receiver room look like outside of one of the, just one of those top two guys? It looks really rough. So I, I, I'm really liking the idea of possibly taking either Jerry Judy or CD lamb with that first. We have such a great offensive line coach in bill Callahan. I'm willing uh, we can, when we get to the second round, I'll talk about kind of the, the guy that's in that range that I'm like, man, that would be really perfect situation for us. But I'm, I'm just trying to. Then even for this season, if you sign Jason Peters uh, along with kind of that developmental guy a little bit later on, then you could give Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, CeeDee Lamb, or Jerry Judy on top of Austin Hooper, and David Joku, and Jason Peters on his left side, Jack Conklin on his right. Oh my gosh, that, that team is like, is literally the Madden team that everyone's trying to build where just go out and play a run and shoot. So that's just something I, I think about a little bit outside the box 
Uh, I don't disagree that Isaiah Simmons is a really good player and should definitely be the consideration there. But um, I, I have no problem with the offensive tackle pick. If if they do if they sign Jason Peters, uh, if they can somehow trade for Trent Williams, I I won, I'm 100 on board for going wide receiver there. Um, my concern is they have to protect Baker. They have to give him time in the pocket to be able to find these guys. But I think it's a that's a that's a really like um, you know a good thought as far as thinking ahead to what the contracts of OBJ and Landry are uh, because it, when you we all we talked earlier about how much cap space there is, but once you extend Garrett, once you extend Baker, once you extend these other guys, right. you know you're you're not going to be able to sign everybody and pay everybody yep. what they want. So they're going to have to move on, probably from from OBJ. Um, but I, you know who knows. So you're, I, I think that's a great point, and that's a that's a great thinking ahead type of uh, kind of pick there at ten. So I, you know what's funny? I don't disagree with anything you guys are saying. Um, except for your offensive tackle ranking, Adam. Actually, you know what, Tim? What, what? Let me give me your top five. Give me your first run offensive tackles in your rank your rankings form. Let's go. Skewer me up here, guys. I'm just trying <laughs> to figure out. I'm just trying to figure out if I'm in the minority here. Uh, so this is this is going to be my top five. I will not put them in any kind of order just because I'm I, I don't have my spreadsheet up and I, I don't want to go through all that. Did you want um, me to? I, I can give you guys. I can give you guys my my top seven offensive tackles. I, Did you want? Uh, I, I got you. We're good. I, okay. I would definitely go Werfs first. Um, Wills will be my second guy. Um, uh, Thomas would be my third. Um, I'm trying to make sure um, I don't miss anybody and say something stupid. Um, I, I would have Josh Jones as my fourth. You have Josh Jones ahead of Beckton, for sure. Yes, es- for especially sure. for especially for Brown specific. And then um, I would probably have uh, Ezra Cleveland as my five. Uh, Beck Beckton would be six for me. All right, so I I don't so here's here's my I graded seven offensive tackles of the first round grade. They go in this order: Andrew Thomas, Jedrick Wills Jr., Tristan. Uh, let me give you the colleges out too, because we had a listener tell us that we confused and we didn't have the colleges, which I totally get. Andrew Thomas out of G- Georgia, Jedrick Wills, Wills Jr. out of Alabama, Tristan Wirfs out of Iowa, Mackay Becton out of Louisville, Austin Jackson out of USC, Isaiah Wilson out of Georgia, and then Josh Jones out of Houston. I believe that all those guys, you could probably make a solid argument for those to, for a lot of those to be interchangeable. The only guy I very much disagree with as a first round. Uh, talent is Ezra Cleveland. I think Ezra Cleveland is more of a guard um, than an offensive tackle. Matter of fact, I was on, it's funny because I was on the Ezra Cleveland hype like four months ago and I did a mock draft on a podcast and I I took Ezra Cleveland with the Brown second round pick and everybody else laughed at me. And now I feel like the hype has gone in the exact opposite direction. It's kind of, it's kind of funny. I feel like Tyler Johnson at Minnesota has gone that same way too where everybody thought he was a first-round pick, and now everybody hates him for some reason, has him as an undrafted player. But whatever, regardless, that's kind of that's kind of what I have. So uh, you can make a solid argument for a lot of those guys. And I know, we, I know that Tim and I argue about Mekhi Becton quite a bit in our chat. And that's, <laughs> but I, I don't – the only person you I think that it would be really hard for me to make an argument – you can make an argument for everything that you said except for Ezra Cleveland. I really disagree with that. But the Andrew Thomas, I do view Andrew Thomas as probably the perfect selection for the Cleveland Browns. I feel like he has probably the highest floor. There's nothing he – I would not give him like any superlative 
um, you know, compared to, you know, the freakish athlete that Worfs is or the planet theory that is Becton. Um, but, you know, Thomas, he, he was a three-year starter at left tackle for an SEC school and a pro-style offense. So, you know, he's seen some stuff. Great size, six foot five, three fifteen. 315. Um, I think that his biggest issue is that he is not the elite athlete that you see in Worfs or Becton. Uh, but, he you know, he, he, looks like, he looks like Russell Okong. I, I feel like I'm very happy with – I would be very happy with the Andrew Thomas pick. Now, with that said – Isaiah Williams, Isaiah Simmons, I have him higher on my board than I have any offensive tackle. So I wouldn't be upset by that selection. Um, Jerry Judy, I have him lower than Andrew Thomas on my board, but I wouldn't be upset by the Jerry Judy selection either. CeeDee Lamb, uh, if Jerry Judy is off the board, I could see getting that, but I do have Judy higher than CeeDee Lamb. I don't think it's like super obvious, but I do think Jerry Judy is more of a smoother athlete. I do think he's faster on film than he is probably time, and he don't time too slow either. Um, but so I, I'm okay with thinking outside the box and going with those things. I would lean more towards Simmons than Judy. Um, but I do think Andrew Thomas is a good pick there. So I mean, I guess that that's kind of where I stand with it. Do, do, I mean, does anybody have anything to add to that? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think we're, you know, it's tomato, tomato. We, you know, right. there, there, there's three to four, you know, four high quality offensive tackles that are going to be available in the top 15 picks. And I, and I agree with the Josh Jones take. I think Josh Jones is great. He's a great pass protector. He's got great footwork. Um, I think he is lazy sometimes. I do think he's a tad smaller. Um, so you can make that You can make that argument, though, that he is up in that. I, I have him as a first-round grade. So I, I could think you, you can – there's seven tackles I think you can make a solid argument for to being picked in the first round. Do you hate the idea of trading back if you don't if, – if, and we don't know what the, the big board is for Cleveland, but if they don't right. get the tackle that they love at 10, do you have any problem with them trading back and getting Not at all. a Josh Jones or an Austin Jackson? Not at all. Not at all. I, I love it. I would love if they traded back and gather more assets. Tim, what do you think? Oh, for sure. I'm, I'm 150% on board with that. I, I, would ra- I would personally rather them trade back and try to recoup additional – there's additional a lot of draft capital somewhere. It, and I feel like there's just, there is a lot of high end talent on this team and people will say, man, there's a lot of good stuff happening here. You don't need to trade back. But I, I think there's a lot of building to do because a lot of the signings that we have are, are look like long-term pieces in 2020, but there's a lot of outs for contracts and there's a lot of ways to manipulate this, this roster moving forward that maybe people aren't looking at. Yeah, I agree. I, and Josh Jones and Austin Jackson, they're going to be there at 15, at 18. At one would think. Yeah, one, so one I, would I, think. I mean, if they're – I don't – and I haven't looked in to see what what the trading partner might be, who would, who in that range would want to trade up to 10. If Isaiah Simmons is there, I'm sure somebody would want to trade up to get him. And there's a lot of tackles out there. Uh, you know, he, he mentioned Ezra Cleveland, uh, you know, Prince Tago Wanoga out of Auburn. That guy is, is a quality off the tackle. I gave him a second-round grade. Lucas Niang out of TCU. That guy's a behemoth. I gave him a second-round grade. Matthew Pert out of Connecticut. I think he bench-pressed the, the goddamn truck at the combine. Had a great senior bowl. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's another guy I really like. Gave him a second-round grade. Trey Adams out of Washington. That guy was viewed as a top-10 pick before he destroyed his back. Uh, you guys probably – most Pete listeners will remember him because he was the guy uh, – at the combine, the, the footage, the video footage of the interview leaked, where they said, "If you could change one thing, what would it be?" And he said, "I want to make my dick bigger." Which I that that to me put Tim as a second round talent <laughs> immediately. Immediately, I want him hey, to start immediately. That, you know, that's, uh, that's self awareness. 
That's right. Sadiq Charles at LSU. That's another SEC starting caliber left tackle. that played very well. Hakeem uh, Medinaji uh, out of out of Kansas, an underrated player out of the Big Twelve, who who stood his ground. I mean, I, that, I just named fourteen guys I think could start. Maybe not all. all not, they probably all couldn't start as a rookie, but they're all starting this year or next year. Yeah, and that's why that's why I I, I and I had not really thought about this, Tim. I'm glad you brought it up, but. Not going offensive tackle at ten and going wide receiver, or going defense. Uh, I know you're not you're not all for the defense, but because you're right, Josh, there are guys that are going to be drafted in the second and third rounds of this draft on the offensive line that are going to be starters, one hundred percent. So you don't you don't I don't feel like you need to feel tied to get one at ten. If that makes sense, I think that the whole Cleveland Browns offseason was geared towards giving them flexibility on the draft. So taking a guy like Isaiah Simmons, I'm I'm all for it. You there it. it there it takes I, I always try to look at the positive end. All right. That's why you're gonna see in my rankings where I'm gonna have more first round picks than a lot of people. Cause I'm always trying to see, okay, I can see this. This is where I believe this guy's ceiling is. Right. So it takes an awful lot for me to I'm gonna put a lot of trust in the front office. Now, if they go out and they draft a guy like, I don't know, Patrick Queen at number 10, now we got an issue. Now we gotta talk, right? Because that's a guy that I don't really understand why you would take him that high. But whatever, that's a conversation for another day. But moving on to the second-round pick, uh, Chad had the Browns taking Damian Lewis, the guard out of LSU. Adam, how do you feel about that pick? I mean, I don't hate it. Like, like I said, we, we've talked about this, Josh, you and I have. The, the Browns have to put get protection for, uh, for Baker Mayfield. If they're going to be successful, Baker Mayfield has to have a clean pocket to where he can deliver balls accurately. We, we saw last year that he's just not able to be as accurate as, as he can be when he's under pressure. And no one is. Reason. That's not a. That's not bashing Baker. No one is. No, no not at all. But you know, I, I, I. So if if that's the pick that they like, that's fine. We talked earlier in this podcast. They've got to address the safety position as well. Grant Delpit sitting there, not drafted at forty three. LSU uh, safety out of LSU. He's a junior. Um, I, I would I would love Delpit at forty one if he's available. I've seen Anton Winfield Jr. Dra- or mocked a lot to the Browns, so I I think he's lower down. I love that you brought him up. I'm gonna bring uh, him up again later, but yeah. So I mean, I, I would I like Grant Telpit there at 41 if he's there, but if not, I'm I'm all for any any offensive line piece that you can add to this team. I'm all for. Tim, what are you feeling? Yeah, uh, I I completely agree. And uh, just to give a little extra context, six two three twenty seven, uh, Damian Lewis is out of uh, LSU. So to whoever said they want to hear the school a little bit more often. Uh, he played all of his snaps throughout college at right guard. So uh, I, again, I feel like that's something that, that probably went into account for this pick is that the Browns might have a question mark at right guard. I personally feel like right guard is one of the positions that could be filled in house with, with the guys that we currently have. And I, I don't really want to see us use that premium pick on the right guard. But that being said, Damian Lewis is, is a good pick. He's one of the better offensive line, uh, interior offensive line prospects in this class. But boy, I, I agree. Like the guys that went after, if you're going to give me Grant Delpit, if you're going to give me, uh, oh, I, I mean, there, I feel like there's so many guys that you just look afterwards and you're like, man, I could see that as a much better fit. Than than going interior offensive line specifically right guard, that boy, that's a tough ask. I probably wouldn't wouldn't make that selection myself. I, I don't have it. I I like your guys' Grant Delpit situ- 
I like the, the, you guys talking about Grant Delpit. I don't disagree with that. I love the Damian Lewis pick, though. I gave Damian Lewis a first-round grade. Uh, I am very high on Damian Lewis. Like you said, he, three, and he's a healthy 327. He's not, he yeah, don't look he like is. Danny Shelton. He, he had, look like he had a really Shelton. good explosion uh, at the at the combine. He had uh, oh, I know I have it written down because he's someone I wanted to make sure to mention. He had a thirty inch vert at three hundred twenty seven pounds, which is just crazy. Yeah, he's he, he's built. He's not built like Danny Shelton. A lot of people, a lot of Browns fans, will know what I mean when I say it. he doesn't have that big tire around him. Of course, he does because he's three twenty seven, but not. He doesn't look like he weighs. It's, it's not fat. Big. He's a big. He's a big, healthy dude. Here's another thing too. I he's got a great anchor. You're, it's very rare to find a player with as great of an anchor. The dude doesn't move. He has elite strength. Um, you know, the only thing his biggest issue is that he's not the best in pass protection more athletic interior defensive alignment are going to beat him but that but you just listed off some of his athletic numbers those things can change he clearly has the skills to do that the athletic traits to do that maybe it's a footwork issue but i that's probably where he struggled the most is in pass protection but i definitely love that pick uh, but moving on, third round pick, Willie Gay Jr., outside linebacker at Mississippi State, was 6'1, 243 at the combine. Adam? Oh, Adam, Adam's disconnected. Here. So, here. Oh, you're here. here? You're here? Sorry, sorry, you're just, sorry, sorry. You're just being yeah, you're no, I, I, Look, they, I don't know enough about Willie Gay Jr. You guys are going to know more, the, more about him than I do. Uh, but, you know, as far as a positional need, obviously that, that is another position that you're going to want to add some depth to. You, had to, you lost Joe Sherbert in the offseason. Uh, by all means, I'm all for that. Anton Winfield Jr. is here in the third round, so he oh would God. be available. You stole uh, my so, talking point. <laughs> sorry, well, you, you can go into, in, into depth. So I like him there in the third round if he's available. I saw, I've been seeing him mocked in the second round, so having getting a third-round pick out of him is, is great value. Uh, we talked briefly about Ben Barch, offensive tackle. If you don't go offensive tackle at one or two, uh, here him, him in the third would be a good pick. And, Again, and, I do think Ben Barch is another one of those guys where I think he projects better at guard, but that's an argument for another day. Yeah, and then I, you know, we don't. There's no immediate need for running back, but Cam Akers in the third round feels like a like a, just like a, a crazy steal out of Florida State. I don't I don't disagree with that. Um, I'm trying to say I got I gave Cam Akers a second grade as well. I gave Ben Barch a second grade, so I, I like all those. I don't like Willie Gay Jr. I don't like him. Um, he, he checked. I, I said the same thing as you. I saw Antoine Whitfield pick two picks later and I was like, dude, why would the Browns not pick, take him in the situation? Now I'm not done with my safety rankings, so I don't exactly know where I'm going to perch him, but I know it's going to be higher than this. And I know he's better than Willie Gay. Willie Gay is a guy that I, I mocked. I, I probably gave him a fourth round grade, which again, I'm a various, I'm a very generous grade giver. Um, he he has very good measurables. He had a very impressive combine. Tim, I'm sure you had those numbers written down. Uh, but here's the issue with Gay. He has a lot of off-field issues. He punched his quarterback in the face before the bowl game to the point where the guy couldn't play. He only played five games this year because he got suspended. Not once, not twice, multiple times. And then I believe, I believe, I believe that he was the guy that also, I think that there's some some kind of academic fraud issues with his transcripts as well. I can't remember if that was him or not, but he brings a lot of baggage that I'm just not I'm just not all for, man. I feel like there's there's also better options. The offensive tackle class isn't no joke either. I'm trying to pull open my notes right now. Uh, but you know, Tanner Muse out of Clemson, that's a guy that can play in the box, out of the box. He's a little bit more versatile. I think he was there. Carter Coffin out of Minnesota, a guy with a positive attitude. He's going to fall there. was a very effective pass rusher in the Big Ten. Uh, Akeem Davis-Gaither out of Appalachian State. I, I don't know if he was there in the, in the mock, but that's a guy I expect to be right in that level. Uh, he's another very impressive outside backer that I think could 
he's probably underrated because he went to a smaller school out of the Sun Belt, Nappy State. Um, but yeah, Willie Gay Jr., I'm just not all for. Tim, what do you think? I So there's this feels like a John Dorsey pick, and that's why I feel Bingo. like I, I question a little bit just because <clears throat> John Dorsey was always willing to take the – take the chance on the questionable guy Antonio Callaway he was willing to take that shot bringing Kareem Hunt to Cleveland he was willing to take that shot Willie Gay Jr. with the questions he has he would have probably been willing to take that shot and personally I I feel that if Isaiah Simmons wasn't part of the 2020 draft Willie Gay Jr. probably be getting more of a uh, more of a pump because he's not every bit, but he is a incredibly solid athlete. And you mentioned his testing numbers. So Willie Gay Jr., linebacker out of Mississippi State, he ran a four four six. That's 99th percentile. He ran a 7.08 second three cone, which is exceptional. Uh, he almost had a 40-inch uh, um, uh, vertical jump. Er- and he also had a broad jump of over 11 feet. I, Great numbers. I, I mean, Amazing numbers. He definitely goes sideline to sideline. He is he is a first round talent with a seventh round head. But <laughs> and, yeah, I think he I, I think he checks first round boxes, but I didn't see first round talent on tape either. And he only played five games. He's also in the 99th percentile of players that have punched their quarterback in the face. Right. That, that that's <laughs> the issue. He's got great all, numbers. Yeah. Great numbers. There are those questions. Uh, I I do feel like, again, just like I mentioned off the top, this is a John Dorsey type of pick. I don't know if the Browns are really going to be in for whatever headache that he may provide. I, I think he would do great if he didn't have those uh, off-field questions. He would be a stellar pick with that first, second round pick. Yeah, I mean, like, he only had, he only had about 30 tackles this last year. I mean, he... His tape isn't bad. His tape is very, very solid. He's a very, very solid outside backer. I'm not bashing him. But those those numbers, those are not – that's not what you see on tape. It's just not. But, I mean, I think we're both kind of we're, – we're saying the same thing, we're, but we're, we're saying it different ways. Um, you know, I think we can all agree Antoine Winchfield Jr. is probably a better fit in that spot. Um, but moving on, the next pick and another third-round pick is Brandon Jones, safety out of Texas, uh, 5'11", 198 pounds. Adam, how do you feel about Brandon Jones? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I'm starting to get a little out of my wheelhouse here. You guys are going to know a lot more about these guys than I do. Um, but, again, as far as, like, a positional need, that, that, that's what you're looking for. We've talked about, you know, wanting if Grant Delpit's there in the second or Anton Whitfield Jr.'s there in the thir- earlier in the third. Those are the guys you know, we, we obviously think that they – uh, they would fit better. They're better talents. But, yeah, I mean, I don't have any strong opinions about who they should draft. Um, you know, that's still available at this spot. So I, I was a big fan of the Brandon Jones selection. Um, when I read off his 5'11", 198 pounds, a lot of people think, oh, that's small for a safety, especially a safety of his style, you know, a come up and, you know, in the box safety. He doesn't look like that. He looks like he he's he's a well-built athlete. He doesn't – he's got a he's got some junk in the trunk. He's got some thick legs. Uh, you guys remember there's you can be small 
if you play big and you look like you can take a hit. Maurice Jones-Drew, the guy was small, but he was built like a bowling ball. Uh, Darren McFadden. McFadden was like 6'2", 220, 230, but he was built like a flamingo. He had very small legs. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Brandon Jones' size. I actually think it's a plus because he is built to take a beating. Uh, he's a former five-star recruit, so you know he checks a lot of physical boxes. Maybe he didn't live up to all the hype he had at Texas. Uh, but I think the biggest issue, and this is probably why he's fallen to this point, is he is a below-average tackler. He we're talking about a guy that's more of an in-the-box safety, and he does a lot of duck and swiping, which is really not what you want in that situation. Uh, but that I, we know that he is capable of hitting people. We do know that he is capable of wrapping up. He just doesn't do it enough on film. Um, but again, I'm happy with this pick. I think I, I would be very, very satisfied with this pick. Tim, what do you think? Uh, I think he is more of an in-the-box safety. As you were kind of talking about his measurements, I, I was reminded a lot of Carl Joseph because that's that's kind of the those are the roughly the measurements he had because Carl Joseph was 5'10 205. So I mean we're we're not really far off at all. And I, I think he um he did definitely play uh some some free safety in the box safety. Um I personally when I watched some film on him I thought he really played a little bit better when he was in the box, kind of that read and react versus just trusting his eyes and reading the play from, uh, from free safeties. So I, I, I think um, I personally think he does fit what the Browns look for when they are going to try to play, replace Carl Joseph. But boy, the, the this is just an area of the draft where I'm, I'm not excited to let a lot of these guys just just get out of my grasp. When you're talking about Logan Wilson, who I feels like a really, again, when you take Willie Gay Jr. ahead of him, you're probably not going to turn around and double down on linebacker. But Logan Wilson is a really good uh, linebacker that I, I felt like he would have had a good chance to go there. You, you, stole, you stole my deep sleeper. <laughs> Sorry. Big, big Logan Wilson fan. Yeah. So there's, uh, there, there's just a lot of other directions. I probably would have felt more comfortable going. And as you kind of alluded to earlier, the safety class is, is a lot deeper than people are giving it credit for. So, um, so I don't think that's really the spot I would have splurged. That's a fair take. I completely get that. Like I said, there there probably were better options out there. I would just wouldn't be disappointed by this pick. No, um, the last, the, the next pick for the Browns is uh, Jordan Elliott, defensive tackle. Now we're entering the fourth round here with Jordan, Jordan Elliott, the defensive tackle out of Missouri, also measured in an impressive six foot four, three hundred two pounds. Adam, did you have any sayings on Jordan Elliott? A redshirt junior out of Missouri. Um, you only, you know, looking through who who's still available here. I know we talked earlier if, about needing to add uh, a wide receiver piece. You know, KJ Hill still available here. Uh, I know Josh and I, we've talked a lot about him um, in, in some of our other podcasts. We're big fans. Um, and he just seems like a guy that's going to be around the league for five to eight years. Well, now, I'm not, I'm taking Jordan Elliott over KJ Hill all day. I gave Jordan Elliott a second-round grade. I am a big fan of Jordan Elliott. If you can grab him in the fourth round, sign me up. He's a former five-star recruit, Has a, checks a lot of athletic boxes. He originally went to Texas, had to transfer out, really suffered with a few injuries. That probably deserves a larger background check that I'm completely unable to do here in my desk in Columbus, Ohio. Um, but he he's also got great length. At six foot four, he's also got some long arms. He 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 can he, he's got a great reach. 
He can back down passes. I really like his size. I really think he's an active player. It's funny, though, because his biggest issue is that he does play too high. He Not only is he tall, but he plays too high as well, which is kind of a double – it's just not good. Um, you know, he loses the leverage battle way too often. He kind of compares to – and you guys will remember him at Ohio State, Adolphus Washington. Uh, now, I'm not going to take credit for this comparison. Uh, someone else made it on Twitter, and I'm stealing it. But I re- it really clicked with me. Adolphus Washington was another very large guy that consistently lost the leverage battle. Now, he, I believe he's still in the NFL, but I do think Jordan Elliott can be better than that. That's it. I really think that's the biggest issue with him is that he plays too high. Tim? Uh, I I completely agree. And what you're looking for when you're starting to get this deep is are, are the tools. And he brings a few tools to the uh, to the table that not many others do. Good size, uh, excellent athleticism. His ten yard split was one point seven one seconds, which is eighty six percentile, which is just amazing. Uh, which means his get off is really quick, and that he um, he might be a little bit more of that um might get off the, his off the, real quick he he's more of a pass rush type of guy so uh rather than your your run stuffer uh i i do agree that he is uh, he is lanky so i do wonder a little just a little bit how that will work out for him long term because he it, is he going to be a looks like tarzan but plays like jane and just has that speed rush, or can he add a little bit more? But I think he has really good tools that, boy, I, I, I would love to see him put more, more of the overall traits together. I agree with everything you're saying. You, you're talking about him being lanky is kind of kind of what I was alluding to too with, with the issues of Texas. I'm not really sure what those injury issues were. We're you know we're not NFL scouts, so we don't get all the paperwork that they do. Uh, but I do know that he was bumped and bruised quite often, from what I understand. Uh, but moving on, Adam, what's the next topic you want to cover? Since I'm putting you in charge now, because you're the clock man. <laughs> Dude, I mean we've got a couple more. Uh, if you want to get into it, let's get into it. If you want to get push into it, it for another day. No, let's Up let's get into it. We want we got Tim here. Show, we got we got Tim here. Let's do it, man. We got a bunch of more questions left. All right, you. I mean, you you kind of hit on your potential sleeper. Do you want to go into more depth about him? So I got three. My first potential sleeper. Now, I, I, tell me, please feel free, guys, to tell me if I'm being lazy, okay? Because I'm looking over my notes and like a lot of these guys I projected going into the second round, but I feel like that's what makes them deep sleepers for me because they're guys that. I, I give a second round grade to or a third round grade to that I could see the NFL or a lot of people disagree with or I'm seeing on Twitter where people don't like him. My first guy is Bradley Anay, defensive end out of Utah, undersized guy, six foot three, 257 pounds. I give him a second round grade. He has a a wide repertoire of moves. You like that repertoire? Uh, he plays with a plan. He goes into every situation knowing moves, what moves he wants to make, knowing what his offensive line's weaknesses, and he he's got great instincts. Um, but the thing that holds him back and what's probably going to allow him to fall is he's got very average, if not below average, measurables. Um, does anybody have an opinion on an A? Just, just give your sleepers. We'll, 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 oh. we'll uh, in the interest of time, because oh, okay, I, okay, I, okay, I, okay. I don't want to, don't want to rush anyone. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, my second, my second sleeper, Adam Trotman. Out of he's a tight end out of Dayton, six foot five, two hundred fifty five pounds. Uh, maybe this is me being a little bit biased because, like Adam, I am also a pioneer football league alum. VU Valpo baby, uh, but no, he he dominated the FCS level and he also dominated the Senior Bowl. Uh, he's a very good blocker, former quarterback, walk on, still raw at the position, still gaining weight. Um, here's the deal with him though. 
you watch his film and he's blocking guys my size. Literally, literally that's I mean, I played in that league and I'm 5'8, 220, and that that's who he's blocking. So I he gets he has really bad form because he didn't have to have good form. He just body bagging tiny little dudes. Uh, but that's a guy that I could see the Browns getting late and him playing a role. Uh, the other guy we uh, Tim briefly touched on Logan Wilson, the inside linebacker at Wyoming, six foot two, two hundred forty one pounds. I gave him a third round grade. He was a, actually a defensive back at Wyoming. He was recruited to play defensive back. Uh, he added a lot of weight. He's got a nice frame, could potentially add more weight, and he's really great in coverage. Um, his problem, and it's kind of interesting because it's a little bit like Joe Schober, although I, I don't know if I feel comfortable making that comparison, uh, is that he doesn't. He's not going to wow you with his numbers, his uh, his measurables, his his testing numbers. But th- those are the three guys that I had. Does anybody have any input? Oh, I I thought they were all great picks. Uh, and oh, you can see, thank you. Uh, it's it's just <laughs> one of the. I I feel like when you're talking, that that's why I kind of said I want you to to go through all of them. When we're talking uh, deep sleepers, sometimes beauty is in the eye of the beholder. When you're talking deeper sleepers, because maybe you see something, whether it's whether it's on tape or through measurements or whatever it is, that really makes them your type of flag plant guy. Whereas if if I'm sitting here giving you big feedback on someone that's like your guy, you're gonna be like Tim's kind of a dick. So so <laughs> you're you're wrong, and and so I I really like the hey this is your guy this is someone you're gonna put your stamp on that you feel that you feel good about. Oh well I I'm not it's not like if I see these guys available it's not like I'm gonna be pounding the table. There are guys that I like better than these guys, but these are guys that I know that I have a I have I gave two of them a second round grade and Wilson a third round grade. And I've seen people project them as like guys that they wouldn't even be touching. Um I've seen guys say you know really disparaging things about them on Twitter and I'm thinking am I high on these guys? So that's kind of where I'm going with it. Guys that I feel like maybe I'm in the minority of uh but please tell me tell me if I'm wrong. Tell me if you agree, you disagree who you got me uh yeah um, okay um i'm i i do have a fantasy football background so i will say i i generally do lean a little bit more towards the towards the offensive guys and that's just kind of my nature um i I will say and just off of this mock draft i am shocked that cam Akers went in the third round because you mentioned he's he was he's a second round graded player for you I think I think overall it I and if it was the positionless type of draft and you're just looking for a good player, in my opinion, he has first round traits and ability and even tape where he should be in the conversation with the with the Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift. And I for him to go in the third round would be if the Browns had that opportunity. I, I would almost throw care of the wind because that's that's just a great addition. Uh, another running back I just want to mention really quick, Antonio Gibson out of Memphis. A guy that has amazing just overall physical ability. Uh, the real beauty with him is that he is a uh, can be a wide receiver and running back. So he can stay on the field with Nick Chubb, with a Kareem Hunt, and really make your offense multiple. And give you the ability to play a bunch of different ways. And probably one of my favorite wide receivers in this entire draft. Not Judy, not Lamb, is Brian Edwards. And he had a lot of competition for targets when he was with Debo Samuel. And he still outshined him. He has a breakout age. 
So something we talk about a little bit more in the fantasy community is just breakout age. It's a certain age when a player was actually able to dominate a specific amount of the target share and yard share or touchdown share on their team. And if I remember correctly, Brian Edwards has a late 17, early 18 year old breakout age, which is really one of the earmarks of a stud player. If you're able to break out at a very young age in college, that means that your translation to the, to the professional game is usually really easy. So Brian Edwards, he wasn't able to test at the combine, but he is one of those alpha wide receivers. Sticky hands can be a security blanket. If he was there anywhere on day two, I'd be willing to take him in a heartbeat. You know what? You that I agree with almost everybody you said. Uh, Cam Akers, I agree with you. Like I said, I gave him a second round grade, uh, but there are first round traits there. I, you know, last year I would have said that he could be a top, he could be a top ten pick heading into the season. So I, I love, uh, I love Cam Akers. Um, I also love Brian Edwards. I actually gave Brian Edwards a second round grade. So it sounds like we're kind of on the same page there. About six foot two, two fifteen. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a very good player. Had a lot of contested balls that he brought down. I don't feel like the quarterback situation was completely no. fair to him. Jake Bentley definitely sure. threw it up to him. And then I, you know, uh, uh, oh my gosh, it's not Heineke. It's uh, Helensky. You know, he was all he was a little bit. Uh, inconsistent as well, just throwing up to Brian Edwards. He was facing a lot of bracket coverage, so I agree. I gave Brian Edwards a second-round grade uh, as well, which sounds like it's pretty close to where you're at with him. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. Antonio Gibson, I think I'm lower on than you. Um, it sounds like you're a bit more excited about his potential than I am. I gave him, But I did give him a fourth-round grade as a running yeah, back. Yeah, I, I would I say do he believe- would be a guy who would be like early day three. Okay, okay, so sure. we're on the same page there yeah, as well. For sure. I do think he can play running back and wide receiver at very solid levels. For instance, yes. I gave him grades in both, fourth-round running back, sixth-round wide receiver, which for reference, that's higher than what I had Tony Pollard as. Okay, so I, I do think that in the right situation, and the Browns could provide that, Antonio Gibson is a very quality player who can play meaningful snaps. Um, Adam, did you have any deep sleepers you wanted to pick up on? Well, no, I mean, I, I, I was just going to say, you know, Tim, I think Tim and I speak the same language here with all the oh, – he's, he's throwing out breakout age, which is a stat I'm very familiar with as well. Um, so, and I'm, I'm, I'm a big – I'm you, man, Adam, guy, so. Adam knows this stuff. So, I, I'm big on, in on this stuff as well. There's And I'll just give you one really, really deep sleeper from a fantasy football's perspective, and I, I also like him as an actual football player. I think he's a guy that can return kicks. That's going to – in the way that the NFL is moving – uh, he's a guy that's really going to start. He's going to be able to stand out. And it's Darrington Evans, running back from Appalachian State. He's five ten, two hundred three. So yes. he's small. He runs a four four one, but he was absolutely explosive at Appalachian State. He had a he had five point eight yards per carry, almost fifteen hundred yards with eighteen touchdowns last year. He can catch the football. Uh, had twenty one catches, one hundred ninety eight yards, and five scores through the air. And the year before, he averaged over six and a half. Uh, yards per carry so he's he's a really an explosive and elite runner with the football you know it's funny bring that up (laughs) it's funny bring him up because uh we jeff rizzo and did a podcast uh actually no yeah yeah he was he did a podcast last week and he mentioned darrington evans is one of his his big the one of his big favorites i think he gave him a third round grade i gave darrington evans a fifth round grade i wrote a scat brief scouting report on him earlier in the year uh he was the bell cap Appalachian state if you would ask me at, at what i rank him out at, at the beginning of the year i would have said you know a top three round running back um so i think he's a very solid player you know i don't there's i don't really have anything negative to say about him either 
Um, he did have a, one of the better offensive lines in front of him. I think he had, you know, Victor Johnson was a left tackle, which is one of the better offensive tackles in the, in the Sun Belt. And you could say that about pretty much every player on that offensive line, other than the ones at Louisiana Lafayette. Um, you know, Zach Thomas was slinging it at quarterback. So he did have a lot of talent around him, which I believe alleviated some of that pressure, but I did give Evans a fifth round grade. I do believe that he can start in the NFL. I do believe that he can be a producer. So I think we're all on the same page. We've all brought up a lot of good guys. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, did you have anything to add on Darrington Evans? No, I, I, I think you hit, you hit the big marks and I, uh, let me, I, I will pull up my notes real quick just so I can make sure because I, he's one of the few small, you usually see like a, a guy like Evans and your um, the size profile right off the top is you're just like, oh, he's a little bit of a shorty. He's not not necessarily going to be the ex- the overall athlete that you want. OK, here we go. Uh, 441, uh, which is 96 percentile. Uh, he did have a so you're probably familiar with these a little bit more too. Uh, speed score of 107.3, which anything over 100 is usually a very good athlete. But not only that, he had good burst score. Uh, of 125 and the reason I bring up first score is is that first step that initial real boom right off the line and um, and overall uh, just to look at his targets I also like guys that that at some point during their college career are able to at least meet or go above 20 20 total receptions in a single season he had 21 receptions on 28 targets, which means overall they really weren't throwing the ball to the running back that often. But he had 21 receptions in his 2019 campaign, which is which is impressive in my book. Overall, he compares a lot to a guy like Darrell Henderson, who's with the who's with the Rams. Uh, and like I said, I, I like him as well. You know, if we start talking about small school running backs, I think another guy that you guys might want to take a, a peek at is James Robinson. I also gave him a fifth round grade at Illinois State. Uh, he had a pretty good shrine week. I don't know what all those numbers would be like for him. I'm sure everything would be skewed because he did play at the FCS level. Uh, but that would be another guy I'd be willing to, you know, take a deeper dive on. Um, Adam, where are we at on time? We are about an hour and a half. We got we just got two listener questions, then we can really wrap it up. If you want, you want to you wanna skip you want to skip Nathan's for next week. Yeah, that's, that's he's the, he the quarterback question, right? Yeah, yep. So the last okay. question's from from Tyler Jackson. He asked which uh, which Buckeyes do we think that will be get, will get drafted in rounds one through three? Uh, I, I'll go through my list, and then you guys can let me know if you disagree. Sure. All right. So obviously Chase Young is going to be a top five draft pick. Jeff Okuda is going to be a top ten draft pick. Uh, I've got J.K. Ro- or Dobbins in the second round. Uh, Damon Arnett in the second round. I think Malik Harrison can sneak into the second round, mm-hmm. if not in the second round, for sure in the third round. And then I think uh, Devon Hamilton goes in the third round, and I think Jonah Jackson has a chance to, to slip into the third round. And I know I'm seeing mocks with KJ in the fourth round, but I think there's a chance he slips into the back end of the third round as well. Uh, I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I, I, do, I do disagree with the Malik Harrison thing. I, I see You said the second round. I'd be surprised if he goes in the second round. I gave him a third round grade, and like I said, I'm usually very very generous. He checks a lot of physical boxes, but the dude does get lost. Uh, I think he probably projects better inside than he does outside the next level. Uh, but the, I, I, I echo a lot of the things you're saying. J.K. Dobbins, I gave him a first-round grade. Whether or not he goes there, I'm unsure, but I do think he's one of the top running backs in this class, 5'9", 209. I think he's got elite vision. He's got great balance. Once he gets hit, he doesn't stop turning his legs. He keeps going. Uh, I think he compares very similar to Alvin Kamara from the New Orleans Saints, uh, who, who measured at 5'10", 214 at the Combine. 
J.K. Dobbins' big issue is his lack of speed, and Kamara kind of echoes that too. He ran a 4.56 at the combine, so both guys lack that straight line speed, but both have a very great amount of wiggle. You've seen J.K. Dobbins mod to the Dolphins a lot. I could see that being a good fit. Uh, you mentioned K.J. Hill. I gave K.J. Hill a third-round grade, uh, six foot one ninety-six. We talked about him a lot last week. He's got great sure hands. Uh, he seems to be a, a real nuanced route runner on short to intermediate intermediate routes. Um, I, I A comparison I saw, again, I, I'm stealing this from someone else, uh, is Randall Cobb. I really do agree with that. Uh, Randall Cobb is a better athlete. As you know, Randall Cobb played quarterback at Kentucky as well. Um, but, you know, a guy that can just really be a mastermind on those short to intermediate routes, uh, which kind of leads me to think that, you know, the Cowboys would be kind of a cool fit for KJ, but his biggest issue, we, I mean, if you couldn't figure it out, I'm sure you've already know, uh, he's not very big. He's a very thin player. Even at 196, he doesn't look 196. Um, you talked about Jonah Jackson, guard, six foot three, 306. I gave him a second round grade. I'm biased towards him because he is such a nice guy. He's one of the few people in this draft class that I do I did get to spend some time with. Uh, I think he's uh, he's just a phenomenal locker room ad. I think he's great in space. He's a good athlete, which is hard to find. Uh, but he's kind of got a similar issue to that of KJ Hill, where he's a little he's a little thin. Uh, he needs to add some junk to the trunk if he's going to you know provide that anchor that you want in the interior. I could see him wind up with the Washington Redskins, just throwing out team fits. Is what you know just things that I've noticed. Uh, we talked about Chase Young. There's really not a whole lot to say about Chase Young that hasn't already been said. 6'5", 264. I don't think anybody would disagree that he's a first-round prospect. I think he's probably better than both Bosa's. He compares more closely to Joey than Nick. Um, Joey was more of a naturally large individual. Nick's, you could tell Nick spent a lot more time in the weight room. I think that's kind of how Chase is. Like he's not nearly as filled out. Uh, he's got, you know, he's got more potential to grow, more power to build. Um, I, there's really not a whole lot of issues with him. I think he could play defensive end in the 3 4 4 3. He's extremely versatile. His, if I'm going to be nitpicky, his pad level gets a little too high sometimes. Okay. Um, but again, that's me being nitpicky. Uh, Devon Hamilton, I gave him a second round grade, six foot four, 320 pounds. Very consistent. He manhandles offensive linemen on a consistent basis. He's a guy that has a huge, great anchor, doesn't get moved. But he's pretty much non existent as a pass rusher. And the Ohio's defensive line, Ohio State defensive line rotate him out a lot. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find him play more than 15 plays, 10 plays in a row. Um, I saw another comparison to him that I completely agreed with, uh, Davon Gadshaw, um, who's with the Miami Dolphins, You know, a guy that just kind of sits there right in the middle of the defense. you got to work around him. Uh, I haven't got a chance. To, I would agree with you, Malik Harrison, Jeffrey Kuda, Damon Arnett. I don't have detailed scouting reports on those guys just yet. Um, I actually just finished up Harrison last night. I think that he checks a lot of those athletic boxes, but he gets lost an awful lot. And that's my big concern with him. But I do think he's a third-round value. Tim? No, you guys you guys hit on all the names I would expect from Ohio State to go in the first three rounds. Between Dobbins, Young, Akuda, Jackson. And, I mean, there's uh, – I, I would say just to, to put a bow on the whole conversation, it's just amazing to see the talent that constantly leaves Ohio State and just – just how they're able to almost reload every single season. It just oh, wow. blows my mind. It blows my mind every year the, to actually think in my mind that Ohio State has had the first three picks, likely first three picks in this draft on their team at one time. It's crazy between Burrow, Young, and Akuda. That's that. That's amazing. Yeah, it's it's 
it's really strange. You don't even think about the transfers. You know, a lot of people don't consider Burrow a, a Ohio State Buckeye, but like you said, he was here on campus. Uh, uh, Keandre Jones out of Maryland, the linebacker, was on campus at one point. Um, so it really is fascinating to see all these guys uh, go in and out. Uh, but we'll, Nathan Royans had a question about the quarterbacks, but I guess we'll save that for next week because we've already hit that hour mark. Ain't that right, Adam? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and if, if anybody that's interested in Ohio State hasn't listened to last week's podcast with Dan Hope, senior reporter, 11 Warriors, I highly suggest you do so. We had a great conversation with him. Uh, he, he's a bucket of knowledge, and it was a really good conversation that we had. Oh, yeah, Dan, Dan was great. Dan, Dan was great, had a lot of information, a lot. You know, we talked about Trey Sermon, broke down Trey Sermon awful lot. Uh, but, Tim, do you, do you, wanna, you have anything you want to add your Twitter handle, tell people what you've been up to? Yeah, you can find me at TimNFL on Twitter. Um, hopefully, fingers crossed, within the next week or so, I finally drop episode one of of a podcast that I've really been wanting to finally roll out for a while now called Rebuilding the Browns, kind of a take on building the Browns. Uh, but uh, it's it's just kind of the – it's I'm trying to merge the – the fantasy side of me that loves looking at sites like player profiler with the, with the football watching and really put it together. So Browns fans can maybe contextualize things in a little bit of a different way. Um, so that I'll, I'll be able to drop more information on that sooner or later. And just as a wrap up, thanks guys. I, I appreciate this. I don't get to make rounds in this venue very often. So uh, I, I just appreciate your time. Dude, it was a good time. We'll have to have Mac on, have a little bit of a Browns Wire threesome on here. You know what I mean? <laughs> do maybe do a mock, maybe do a Browns Wire mock draft. But we appreciate you coming on, man. We get excited, we're excited to check out your podcast, and uh, you can also see Tim's work on Browns Wire. He just released a piece on the free agents. Uh, he lists every single offseason move that the Cleveland Browns have made, and he's been updating that consistently. Um, and so and we- I'll have a, a mock draft with just the Browns picks coming up pretty soon, where I get everyone from the Browns Wire involved. It'll be who the, the analysts think. Uh, the Browns will take it each pick. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. And this was the Browns Wire podcast. Um, Make sure that you give us reviews. You subscribe to us. Next week, we're going to have our editor, Jeff Risen, on, who was just on 97.1 two days ago on Carpenter and Rothman. Uh, He has his own. He's also the editor for the Lions Wire. Um, He's just a wealth of knowledge. Uh, We're going to be doing, at the week after that, we're going to be doing, Adam and I are going to be doing rotating mock drafts. We're going to do all seven rounds, seven pods in a row, seven days in a row, just filling your ears, bro. <laughs> yes, sir. And you you can follow me on Twitter at Josh Keatley sixteen. You can also find me at work at Browns Wire. Adam, you follow follow me on Twitter more m o o r e two one zero two. That's where you'll find me on Twitter. Also, we just uh, we just opened up a Facebook page, Brown Wire Podcast, and we have a Facebook group, the Browns Wires Podcast. So feel free to join us on Facebook. Uh, we'll discuss, you know, everything we're talking about here uh, with you guys. Um, yeah, so so join us there. Like Josh said, uh, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or any anywhere you can you can listen to a podcast. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, give us feedback. Uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. We love listener questions. We love them all. Yes, sir. All right, that's your Browns Wire podcast. <laughs>